Hello and welcome to Privacy in Practice, a podcast brought to you by the Data Privacy Group and designed to provide you with some practical advice on how to implement data privacy within your business environment whilst discussing all the latest topics. For this episode, we're not in our usual studio because it's March 2020 and we're in the midst of COVID-19. We are self-isolating, of course. We're working from home and broadcasting via a web call. So apologies for the sound quality not being to our usual standard and please bear with us if there's a glitch in the connection. This show will be dedicated to issues and questions surrounding COVID-19 and the advice to follow to ensure we stay within the law. Our fellow co-host Peter can't join us sadly as he's flat out helping clients keep up with events as they unfold. Uh, But you still have Ian and myself and Ian will be taking the reins as he spent the last three days attending some high-level briefings with some of the biggest data privacy law firms. So Ian, I'm going to hand over to you. Please share with us what you've learned and I'll chip in some questions that have been sent in. Cool. Um, Thanks, Sean. Uh, It is good to be talking to you while we're all hunkered down at home. not going too stir crazy are you i'm not going too stir crazy but it is getting a bit real isn't it but we've just got to stay positive follow advice and uh stay safe that's right yeah no i'd agree we've got the uh we're recording this on on friday so the schools are in their their last days um i want to say before we really get into sort of the meat of this podcast that that our feelings really do go out to to everyone that has suffered so far in in the wake of this pandemic um, and, and really just want to send our thanks to the frontline staff the, the nurses the doctors the scientists that are looking for a cure all those people working in in the supermarkets the delivery drivers i think the, the, the list really does go on but, but yeah, to me absolutely to me these people are the, the real heroes so sean we're here today to discuss data privacy issues currently being faced by employers the world over um, and, and I want to help shed some much needed light on what's a reasonable approach to data privacy in such turbulent times. So, so the first thing I'm going to say is the most important thing here is that nothing's more important than the delivery of healthcare. Data privacy, nothing. It's, it is the delivery of that healthcare is, is the most important thing. So on Monday, I think Monday the 16th, um, that was just this Monday just gone, the the European Data Protection Board issued some guidance relating to to COVID, um, the pandemic, and and how that relates to data privacy. Um, So I'm going to quote this section. um, EU data protection laws do not hinder measures taken to fight against coronavirus. So this means we as data privacy professionals need to, to understand that in the wake of such a global emergency, healthcare is paramount and, and must come before anything else. And that's always echo from what I said a minute ago. However, they also went on to say that organisations and companies must ensure the protection of the personal data they collect. So this goes back to the key principles of not only the GDPR, but every data privacy regulation the world over. If you are the controller of data, you must ensure its protection. And I think this is a pretty straightforward ask of, of organisations if they are going above and beyond and collecting data of, um, of individuals, especially health data, then, then it really is their responsibility as data controllers to protect the data that they collect. Interesting, they also went on to say that the legal basis for the collection and processing of data does not need to be consent. 
Um, so I think in, in most cases here, we're going to be looking at legitimate interest. But we can, we can talk about that um, probably later on in, in the pod. So as Sean said, I've sat in on a number of conference calls over the past few days, have shed some light on the situation, um, given me some guidance. And this is sort of guidance across Europe and, and more globally with a sort of a specific look at the states as well with regard to sort of privacy and, and COVID-19. Um, so I'd, I'd like to think I'm gathering quite an arsenal of information. I hope we can sort of get that across in the pod. That's great, actually, Ian. Um, I have quite a few questions from myself, both my own curiosity and questions that have come to us uh, from our clients. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's probably a great way to, to really kick off and get this conversation going. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, well, the first one is from an employer's perspective. And can you require your employees to tell you if they develop symptoms or have been in contact with someone who has tested positive or have they visited a high risk junction? Can you make that a requirement to your employees? Good question, Sean. The answer to that could be quite different across Europe. Um, so I'll state before we get into this question that the answer to a lot of these questions, I think, is going to be something of, along the lines of, let's take a pragmatic approach and, and look out for the best interests of your staff, you, your customers, your suppliers, and obviously your family. So in relation to, to the question, in the UK, yes, you can ask your employees to tell you if they develop symptoms or of Sort of been in contact with someone that's tested positive or obviously if you've been on a uh, been to any of the sort of high risk jurisdictions slightly different in the Netherlands however you can't require employees to tell you this information although from talking to to some different people in in the Netherlands yesterday um, self-reporting has been really highly encouraged across all businesses so yeah, that self-reporting is really important. I think that's probably very similar across lots of different countries. So be open, um, be honest, just let's tell people if you feel like you are putting others at risk or you've been somewhere where you feel like you might have been put at risk, just tell others. Exactly. It's about being open, transparent. And, and like I said, let, let's be pragmatic about this. So, so in Italy, Italy is an interesting one because obviously they're in a, a huge state of emergency. Um, over the past few weeks, they've released a number of emergency laws that basically say that Italian businesses are allowed to take body temperatures and, inquire, and require employees to, to report if they're in high risk or have been to, um, been to any high risk parts of, parts of Italy. Um, but I would say that, that any sort of body temperatures and things in Italy need to be taken by a, a medical professional, so a doctor or a nurse or something like that. In Germany, um, companies are obliged by law to obviously provide a safe working environment and that extends to limiting the possibility of infected employees entering the workplace. Um, I would say here though that any measures that a, German uh, that a German company wants to put in place must be agreed by the Works Council before, before they're implemented. Poland again is, is very similar to the Netherlands in that they, they can't require employees to divulge the information. However, a culture of self-reporting is, um, is really highly encouraged. Okay, yeah, so that all seems to make sense. Like, like you said, let's take a pragmatic approach. Where possible, let's understand where the risks are and encourage us a culture of self-reporting. Great. Okay, thank you for that. So on to my next question. 
uh, kind of similar to the first, but with regards to visitors. So can you require visitors to your premises to confirm whether they have symptoms or have been in contact with someone who has tested positive, stroke, visited a high-risk jurisdiction? So with this one, the advice coming out is to adopt a similar approach to how you're dealing with your staff. The general approach, I'd say, is, to, is the same as your employees. Adopt a, a culture of self-reporting. I'd say ask any visitors not to come if they're obviously symptomatic or at risk. Uh, but, but maybe this point is, is potentially mute. Um, as a lot of companies are working from home although for people who are unable to to work from home I'd say that the the advice should be to ask visitors not to come at all at the moment yeah absolutely I think uh, we're with you on that uh, let's keep the social distancing let's use technology to keep in contact and keep businesses moving forward okay so anything else to add to that do you think no I'd say say exactly that what we're trying to do here is is follow the government's advice and make sure people are kept safe at all costs. Absolutely. Okay, fine. So here's a good question for you, Ian, uh, and probably back to a data privacy focused scenario. If you send someone home to self-isolate, can you tell other employees about this? Right. So the, the general advice here is yes. It is reasonable to tell staff that an employee on their premises has been sent home. However, in this instance, you should be adopting a sort of data minimization um, approach and not release the names or any further details than is sort of absolutely necessary. Got you. Okay. So what you're saying is, yes, let's keep the workforce informed, but let's not share anything unnecessarily. Let's not give away. Let's not, let's not name names. Exactly right. The idea is we don't want to share personal data unnecessarily. Okay, so I'm assuming then that this is the same case when you're communicating with customers. You know, if you send one of your staff home to self-isolate, can you tell your customers that have been working with said person? So actually, there's, there's been no specific guidance here from any of the supervisory authorities across Europe. However, from talking with different legal teams over the past few days, advice is essentially adopt the same approach as you would with your employees. Uh, inform of the incident but but don't release personal data about the individuals okay so what about reporting to the public authorities you know if you have employees that are uh, symptomatic should you report this uh so in general the advice is yes if you are a workforce that is showing symptoms of covid19 you should be reporting However, again, we're looking for sort of a, a data minimization approach here. So the report should be, should be factual based on numbers of cases rather than who exactly has been taken ill. I probably should add here as well that in certain countries, for example, the Netherlands and Italy, that report must come from a company doctor or a healthcare professional. All right. OK. OK. That's good to know. Well, I'm sure our friends across Europe are fully aware of this situation, but a very good point to share. So let's cut back to a true data privacy question. What if the pandemic delays your responses to rights requests or other compliance steps? Good question. I'm not sure if numbers of DSARs have dropped recently. So I don't really know where we sit here. In terms of guidance in these situations, there's been nothing that I'm aware of that's been released from the supervisory authorities. Um, however, I would expect that 
if the delay is down to obviously COVID, then there probably there would be lenience granted from from those supervisory authorities. This obviously we we should say though doesn't excuse our responsibilities as, as data controllers. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so we've probably exhausted exhausted sorry many angles here in terms of reporting. Is there any overarching uh, advice that we should be giving to ensure people are doing all they can in terms of compliance? Yeah, there probably are a few things to say, I think. First, obviously, our standard obligations and duties will continue to apply, um, despite being in this, obviously, the midst of such a global pandemic. Second, if a company has to introduce new processes, which may be around temperature checking or reporting or how remote workers access information. We've got to make sure that DPIA determination should be carried out. And if a company is required to have records of their processing activities, so the ROPA, these should be updated where needed. And third, and probably linked to the last point, companies should review the data they're collecting, especially health data, and ensure that, that it's limited only to the essential information. Finally, think about retention policies. Um, they should be reviewed and information collected should be destroyed as soon as it's no longer needed. The advice I've been getting from, from law firms has been sort of, once the pandemic is considered contained, we should start to delete any of the, the data that's no longer needed. Yeah, thank you for that, Ian. Um, I think that gives us quite a good picture as to what we should be doing. Uh, for me and how I read the situation, it is a let's take a practical approach, report where needed not share unnecessary information and keep your teams, customers, family, everybody, let's try and keep everybody safe at all times. I did pick up on one point there I'd like to talk about in more detail. You mentioned in your second point about updating uh, ROPA and I assume we need to consider a COVID legal basis assessment here. I'd say that's spot on, Sean. <laughs> um, <laughs> So in the context of uh, obviously the COVID pandemic um, and under the GDPR, we still need to base any processing of personal data on obviously one or more specific legal grounds. So this situation hasn't changed at all. So along with that, the, the GDPR's Article 9 details with processing of special category data, which of course relates to health matters. Um, obviously, the, the processing of special category data is generally prohibited uh, unless certain exemptions apply um, and I'm sure you can imagine there probably are some exemptions in, in this uh, in this scenario. What are those? Tell <laughs> us. Sure uh, so first off you may be carrying out the, the obligations and exercising specific rights in the field of employment so this needs to be authorized by a union or member state law. Um, second uh, it could be for reasons of public health, for example, helping protect serious cross-border threats to, to health. Um, and for me, COVID is sort of case in point in, in this one. And thirdly, um, for reasons of substantial public interest. So again, um, I'd say that um, COVID fits into the, the public interest as well. Okay, great. So getting to the nuts and bolts of building these new processes, what comes next? I assume you need to describe, you know, the new process, do you? 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly correct. Um, just like any other record of process, you will need to provide a short summary of the process and describe the current status. In this instance, it might be, for example, I don't know, a, a company has implemented a global travel ban um, or requirement for staff to self-isolate if they've been to a to a high-risk area, say like China or Iran or Italy, for example. Okay, so. In terms of a lawful basis, in this instance, you would be relying on legitimate interest? Yeah, I'd say so. I think your, your legit, legitimate interest would be something along the lines of the, the protection of the public or sort of private health and safety, compliance with employment laws, and obviously business, business continuity requirements. So... Based on these criteria, you can say that processing is necessary to achieve the, ident uh, the identified legitimate interests. Okay, so now to the balancing test, I assume. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's it. Companies could, should consider their reasonable expectations of the data subjects. In this instance, their employees, with regards to the processing of their data, the type of data being processed, the specific nature of the processing, um, and in this case, I'd say we're looking at public, we're looking at some public interest. And is there any possible harm to the data subject as a result? So, so I guess the question to ask is, would the data subject expect the processing activity to take place? And could the processing be considered intrusive or inappropriate? And then, you know, I'm assuming in this instance, the thought would be it is not inappropriate. Yeah so, yeah, so are there any other questions that a company should be considering when building these new processing activity records, do you think? Yeah, there, there definitely is. And just like any regular consideration, we should be asking questions like, is the process likely to negatively impact the data subject? Is the processing in the best interest of the data subject? Uh, would there be any prejudice to the data controller if the processing did not happen? Um, the list goes on. Um, is fair processing notice provided to the data subject? I've, I've got a fan of a couple here. Is, uh, has the personal information be obtained directly or indirectly from the data subject? And yeah. can the scope of the processing be modified to reduce or mitigate any underlying privacy risks or harms. Exactly right. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that with me. So, uh, so there's quite a lot to consider here, isn't there? Well, yes and no. Really, there's no difference from a regular DPIA or a LIA balancing test. You're still going to rely on one of the lawful basis of processing you will still have to obviously consider the rights and freedoms of the data subject. So when you're building these processes, you're looking at DPIA, you're looking at LIA balancing tests. It's that building it is exactly the same. Um, and what, what we're doing and what we sort of preached probably across this whole pod is take a pragmatic approach, make sure you're seen to be doing the right thing for yourself, your company, your employees, the general public, Lot, lots to consider, but um, obviously take a pragmatic approach. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much for shining a light on COVID-19 and its impacts on the data privacy issues that companies are facing. 
Uh, I think it's probably time to wrap this up. Is there anything you wanted to, to close us out on, Ian? Yeah, thanks, Sean. It, I'll say again, it's been really great to talk to you. Um, I've, I've as listened, always. As always. Um, <laughs> I've, I've listened in on lots of guidance here and, and on sort of different conference calls. and. How difficult from... is that, by the way? I mean, I know like you, you're fairly well versed in, in, in all of this, but is it still difficult to just sit there and listen to it? I mean, what, how, how's that been? What the, what the conference calls been like? They've been pretty full on. Um, so we've, we've listened to, to conference calls from people in the States, people all across Europe, different, you and I are sort of well versed in talking to people from different countries. Um, so obviously yeah. there's a, your, your language barrier and um, good accents and things like that, but you've got to tune in. Yeah, you definitely got to tune in and sort of pick out those sort of key salient points. I think I've done three and a half hours now of, of conference calls and things, listening to how data privacy should be considered in this uh, ever-changing, ever-evolving world. That's it. Yeah, and, and, and the problem is it's changing all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, look how much is ramped up this week. I think what, what I would say is lots, lots of people have asked me, can we take a, can we take a common approach to data privacy and coronavirus? Um, I'll probably say yes. And, and again, I'm going to say, look, let's take a sensible, pragmatic approach to data processing. Make sure you seek the right principles and be seen to be, be, seen to be doing the right thing for both data protection and obviously the, the safety, of, um, safety of the public. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Ian, thank you so much for sitting in on all of those web calls. Thank you for going through that with us. Um, basically, if anybody's got any questions, please feel free to get in contact. You know, we're at the forefront of this. We've got the latest information. So if you have got any, con- any concerns, feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, go and visit our website. We've got articles on there. It's thedataprivacygroup.com. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Privacy in Practice with myself, Sean Wright, and Ian Borner from the Data Privacy Group. Please, everybody, take care. Um, Let's follow the government's advice. Let's look after one another. And um, we look forward to doing another show and touching base with you soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. See you.